the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's an honor to be here at the Spectrum Center in the main lobby where the 12th annual Cornucopia event is going on with the entire team out here handing out one of the 1,000 meals prepared for different people coming through the stadium. 4,000 people are benefited by all of these meals, and as the team is out here handing out a lot of these meals, not only the team, but the coaching staff, Dennis Smith Jr. among those players doing that. We bring him up because he is about to hop on with us just in one moment. Has been fantastic this year, Wes. The fact that he's come in here at the very beginning of the season, what Dennis Smith has done, it's been excellent, certainly defensively, and here he is in our presence. Dennis, thank you so much for the time, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Appreciate y'all having me. I appreciate it as well. What does this event mean to you? How, what does it feel when, for you guys and the entire team that you guys are able to experience the Cornucopia event the way you are? I think it's pretty dope, man. Anytime you get to give back, uh, when you're in a position to give back and you're able to do that, I think that's very important. Um, I wouldn't say as you're obligated to do that, but you know I think it's necessary. And uh, for us to be out here and, and genuinely wanting to do this and right. having a good time and interacting with these people at, the way we are, I think it's going to go a long way. Dennis, what does it mean even so having some familiarity with the area, right? I mean, going to NC State, now here back playing some basketball with the Charlotte Hornets, the fact that you know these people, you are around these people here, maybe not the city of Charlotte, but mm -hmm. the Carolinas, which we all kind of share, you know, that title as Carolinians, it being that much more important. Does that reign some importance to you as well? Absolutely. I wouldn't want to do it anywhere else. Like you said, if you're from North Carolina, you understand it's, Yeah. everybody is like family. Like, we love each other. Um, we take care of each other and to be able to come home and give back it's a good feeling for me and my family like to see things like that as well Dennis man honored to meet you uh, I know you don't know me so I've, I've worked for the ACC digital network I've cut mm -hmm. up more of your footage making <laughs> NBA draft tapes official highlights I've seen so much of your footage in my day it's yeah. ridiculous man but you are one of my favorite players to come through the league in quite some time Right. So I want to ask you, man, so we saw everything about you coming back or thinking about going to play football. You thought your career might be done. Mm -hmm. Did you get, like, rejuvenated coming back to play for the team in your home state? Is that part of the reason why you've been so great this season? Uh, I, I think it plays a, a small part. <clears throat> um, you know, I'm thankful to be home. I got a lot of family that can come in and see me, uh, homeboys, people from the neighborhood, things like that. They all come up and show love. I always tell people the biggest thing is just Coach Clifford, though. That's the biggest thing for me is having a great coach that believes in me. He know the game, and uh, we kind of we see the game the same way. We believe in winning the same way. So uh, I think whenever we just messed, it did a lot for me in terms of my game and actually for my career. So I'm thankful for him. All right, two parts then, and we'll flip it back over to my man Walker. One. What do you see from your Wolfpack right now as far as where the program is going? What do you think is missing? What do you think they need to do this year to get to the tournament? And then, two, give me your favorite moment from when you were at the Wolfpack. So with our season, most of my film has been just with what we got going on. You know, I ain't even going to lie to you. What I have seen that I like from NC State is uh, Tequavion Smith. He's been hooping. And then they bringing in my young boy, Tig, Tremaine Parker, and uh, to see him signing and he from the city, uh, his big brother Quay is like my brother growing up. So to see him sign, I think that's major. And I'm looking forward to that. I don't think he'll be able to play with T, but, um, you know, I think we're heading in the right direction. I still like Keats as a coach as well. And my favorite moment, the obvious one, when we beat Duke. Yeah, <laughs> he did that dunk it had the to end. be the dunk. Yeah, yeah I was about dunk to say. Dunk at the end at nah. Virginia Tech. 
Yeah, VTech, VTech, the triple double game. I remember a lot of them games, man. So I had some good moments there. I, I built some good bonds with my teammates, my coaches, and uh, a couple of the students. So I'm thankful for my experience at NC State. Dennis Smith Jr., Charlotte Hornet, joining us here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Dennis, I've always thought you were a good defender. I think you brought mm -hmm. it up to a completely different level this year. I think right. last night you had three separate plays where you blocked Bradley Beal, which I'm going to get to that combo in a minute, but you blocked <laughs> Bradley Beal. You also stole it from Chris Tapps Porzingis, and that block on Goodwin in transition, man, that's been all season long. You've been right. playing at an all-NBA level defensively, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. How had that emphasis come to you during the offseason? Is it something that you switched up as far as what you worked on? Why is it clicking for you at a different level right now than maybe it had been in years past? Um, I think it is I think it just goes to show my my will to win and then just being willing to do whatever it takes to not lose a game. You know, I, I hate losing more than I like winning. So whenever I started to see a reduced role over the years, I had to figure out how to impact games. You know what I'm saying? And um I was like, I just do the things that nobody else want to do, whether it's just sprinting back in transition or last night taking the charge and, and trying to guard the best player and really honing in on that. I think that's kind of propelled me into where I'm at right now on the defensive end. You mentioned Steve Clifford, who believes in you, so much mm -hmm. so that a very frustrated Steve Clifford after the game last night said that you were the best player on the floor. He gave you that title more than anybody else. What does that mean? I know you talked about Steve Clifford and the importance, but to still have that, what is it about Steve Clifford where I know you see the game the same way, but what were some of the conversations that you had leading into your presence with this team that allowed you to buy in so much to what Steve was preaching? Um, well, initially, or uh, going back to what you said previously, I'm thankful that he, uh, yeah. he gave me that. You know, I've missed however many games, and um, you know, I got a little fatigued last night just trying to get my win back. So for him to still say that about me, I appreciate it. And like I said, we see the game the same way. I think we believe in the way you win basketball games, we see it the same. And with him, I've always been a fan of him. Since he was here his first time, that's when I first came into the league, that when he went to Orlando and what he did there, I thought that was special as well. So um, whenever I heard he was coming back here and I got the chance to come work out, I was ecstatic. And uh, the conversations after I got the deal, I'm just like, let me know what you need me to do. Like, I'm looking forward to our first year together. Let me know what you need. Dennis, you were a high draft pick as a as a guard coming out. Lamelo, high draft pick as a guard coming out. Mm -hmm. What have you guys? What what has you guys' been, relationship been like? And what areas have you seen with him where you tried to impart some of that veteran knowledge? Um, he just so talented. Lamelo's so talented, and like he he's so good. And I just tell him, uh, don't get bored making the right play. You know what I'm saying? Because he can come down every play, make the right read, and then we get something. Maybe we don't make the shot or whatever. He can do that four or five times in a row. You know, but it's going to be good basketball. If he's making a decision, it's, it's more often than not, it's a good idea. So that's all I be telling him, man. Don't get bored making the right play. And then, you know, whenever I see him listen to that, we play some really good ball. Dennis Smith Jr. joining us here, a part of the Charlotte Hornets, WFNZ Sports Radio, 92.7 FM. I got to ask, what was the chirping like with Bradley Beal? What was going on between you two last night? <laughs> uh, it started kind of early. Um, they were going to an out-of-bounds play, and I was switched on to Brad. And I seen him trying to post, and, that you know, that was kind of strange to me. So whenever I got a block on him, you know. It's typical. I don't, can I cuss on him? Nah, I no, you can't. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> no, that's okay, but that's fine. Hey, but you can you can substitute bleep for it, but yeah. we still want to hear the story. Yeah, I was just like, give me that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then uh, 
he asked me, he was like, it's going to be that kind of game. And I let him know, you already know how I'm coming, so you got to come on with it every play. And then it, just, it lasts it from then on to the end of the game. Do, do you mix it up? Like, I, I don't feel like I've seen you talk a ton of trash this year. Am mm -hmm. I missing something? How much do you mix it up with some of the players? Nah, I mean, I, I say I say whatever I feel like saying yeah. for the most part. Uh, it just depends on if anybody say something back. I'm out there talking the whole time. I'm one of the more vocal guys okay. on court. So, you know, if somebody on the other team don't like what I'm saying, then they'll say something, but I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, last thing before we get you out of here, Dennis, I, I did want to just point out one stat. You're plus 17.1 point differential per 100 possessions. That's good for the 95th percentile in the NBA. I mean, you are... What exactly does that mean? It, it, I don't it, even know what it so, means. So, so, so what it means is that when you're on the floor, your team is outperforming other teams plus 17. Like no, I know that. Oh, the 95th percentile. Oh, it, it means that you are among the top 5% of players being that good. Like, you okay. are in a group that is elite considering that stat. That's how good you are at that specific thing right now. Mm -hmm. But there's so many other stats that you point to that show what your worth is to this Charlotte Hornets franchise. I'm excited to see you share a court with LaMelo, by the way. I think defensively, and offensively, man, like I think that can be extremely special. You know, what kind of impact? I know you talked about defensively. Just what else do you think you can do with this team going forward, especially being paired alongside of LaMelo? Well, I think whenever you mix LaMelo in, it it allows me to exert more energy on defense. You know what I'm saying? I still go all out on that end, but I don't have to do as much of um, setting the table on the offensive end if LaMelo's in. And, you know, I kind of make it easy for him being able to guard the best player and uh, being able to play off the ball as well as on the ball and find him for some catch-and-shoot. He's a really good catch-and-shoot player as well. So I think us paired up together, I think it'll be a nice little uh, hand-in-glove fit. They will, too. That's Dennis Smith, Jr., playing for the Charlotte Hornets, also helping out at the Cornucopia event here at the Spectrum Center. Dennis, thanks so much for the time, man. We appreciate it. Thank appreciate you. Yep, yeah, awesome stuff. Once again, Dennis Smith, Jr., hopping on with us. Yeah. And I do think he's been the best story for this team. I mean, I think when you see him, somebody that was trying to play football, possibly, being out of the game entirely, and then coming aboard and providing that big of a defensive impact, I've praised him really all show long. But it's crazy to see some of those stats, man. When you talk about some of the plus-minus, some of the analytics, the traditional, whatever you want to look at, as best as we can as a society measure defense because it's the hardest thing to do. You're trying to quantify something that doesn't happen, right? That's what you're doing when you measure how good of a defensive player or how good of a defensive player someone is. And the fact that he is providing you so much evidence, I, I can't wait for him and LaMelo to play on the court together and neither can DSJ, as you just heard it. Look, they've got a lot of work to do. There's no doubt about it, and no one's sugarcoating that. Four wins at this point of the season, there's a lot to do. I do think that that is going to be a killer combo in the backcourt, and it's not something I expected coming in because Dennis Smith Jr. was on a non-guaranteed deal. Wasn't even a guaranteed contract, Wes, and he's playing this way. It is a very, very big bright spot for a team that has been going through a lot of not-so-bright spots this season. Yeah, man, it should be a lot of fun. As you said, he's loving playing for Coach Clifford, and that's half the battle. And he can be coaches, uh, you know, a second coach on the floor for these guys, really driving home the messages that Coach is, is bringing to them. So I think he brings a great veteran presence. And the reason why I asked that question about him and LaMelo, because there's so much that he can see as far as pitfalls on and off the court and there's a lot of knowledge I feel like that Dennis has that he can impart upon a guy like LaMelo and help him get better. Well what's crazy is too uh, look it's it's not a direct causation when you look at Dennis Smith playing and the team 
uh, allows the opposition to only 100 points. I'm not saying it's only because of his presence, but he certainly helps. I mean, when you watch the games that Dennis has missed, the opposition scores more, and then when LaMelo comes in, you know, this team scores more, and then it's just unfortunate that LaMelo gets hurt right as DSJ is coming back. But when you can find that happy medium, when you can find that balance with those players in the backcourt, I do think it's going to help Charlotte quite a bit. But unfortunately... West, I mean, they just haven't had all their guys back to help in winning time. Terry Rozier did his absolute best against Cleveland. Not going to fault him at all for what he's done, especially with the Cleveland Cavaliers game. But against Washington, you got to hit a three-pointer. That ended a streak, I think, of 45 games where Baron Davis is the only player ever to have more consecutive games with a three-pointer hit. So Terry Rozier, when he's not hitting from deep, that is how he helps this basketball team. And you had to rely a lot on Kelly Oubre. You had to rely probably too much on P.J. Washington. You know, I, it, th this is the problem for the Hornets right now. Stars for other teams are available, and they're playing well in crunch time. Hornets just don't have that luxury as it stands currently. No, it does not. And the injury bug just keeps flowing through this team. And you talk about Dennis Smith. He's the same guy night in and night out. You look at his splits as a starter. He's averaging 10 points, four boards around seven dimes and when he's a reserve he's around nine points now the dimes come down a little bit to four assists for those who are the uninitiated but this is a guy that's giving you consistent basketball and that's why I gave you those numbers he's a consistent player and that's one thing if the Hornets need anything from any of these guys it's consistency because you know when you see basketball teams that are not good that's the number one problem is that you get great performance from a guy one night like we talk about a PJ Washington and when I told you I was skeptical about him that's one of the things you get a great performance from him one night, then you might get two average to subpar performances. You get Kai Jones coming out showing you some of the potential he right. has last night. You want to see that more on a regular basis. So if these guys can just get more consistent, I think we'll see better results in the basketball court. Maybe not championship or playoff contender level, but they're going to compete and win more games. It's Wesson Walker live from the Spectrum Center. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We'll be back in just a moment with Steve Clifford, supposed to be joining us as well to talk about what the Hornets have accomplished and what they haven't accomplished so far this season. Once again, we're at the Spectrum Center live for the 12th annual Hornets Cornucopia event on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 FM. Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We've been out at the Spectrum Center since 12 o'clock for the 12th annual Cornucopia event. Awesome to see the entire team, the entire coaching staff, helping hand out some of the meals to people, a part of the community here in Charlotte, and one of the people handing out those meals, of course, head coach Steve Clifford, who joins us right now on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Coach, thanks so much for the time. How are you? Doing well. Good. It's great to be here. Yeah. I mean, we appreciate it. The event's awesome. You know, what does it mean to you specifically uh, to have the ability to, to help out with everybody in the community as the Charlotte Hornets have done this now for 12 straight years? Yeah. I mean, one of the things about the, the Hornets, uh, you know, with, and Fred's always been at the forefront of this, Seth, Ronnie, is how much they do get involved in the community. And unfortunately, being older and having worked for a lot of other places, this doesn't usually happen in, in every city. And this, to me, is the best event that we do. Um, people love it. Uh, the players enjoy it. Uh, and it's just great to, to be able to celebrate 
Thanksgiving early with some of the people from the city. Dennis Smith Jr. talked about the importance to him as well, even helping people in his own backyard, you know, being from Carolina, being able to do that. I want to talk a little bit about him. You called him the best player on the floor last night after the game. I counted three. I mean, incredible, very visible defensive plays. The two blocks, the one in transition was insane, and the steal on Porzingis. He's been a good defender. I do think we're seeing a different level right now. What's gone into making him at this level of a defender and what happened this offseason as well as just the early start to this year to bring him to that type of play? Uh, I mean, I would say it's it's obviously one, it's, it's just his DNA. You know, he's um, he competes naturally. You know, Bill Parcells always said that to have a good team, you have to have guys who compete without the aid of coaching. And um, that's what he does. So he's he's good technically. He's got a good foundation defensively. Um, but he has a one-on-one mentality that not many players have. Coach, when you came into this team this year, what were some of the things that you looked at and saw that needed to be improved that, yes, you've had a lot of injuries, but you see it getting better, and you feel like once you get a healthy roster, it really has a chance to take shape? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, uh, first of all, the transition defense, you know, where um, – we, we haven't been as good the last five games, but last night we were. But uh, that was an area that we had concentrated early on camp. The defensive rebounding is the big one for me, you know, and, and it hurt us last night. Again, we've had stretches where we've been better. Um, last, last year we were 28th, and it's just hard to win close games when you give up so many second-chance points. And we've had times we've been good at that, and then times when, you know, we haven't challenged ourselves the way we need to. I think those are the two big areas. The one thing that's popped up uh, last year, uh, the team was great not turning the ball over. We've been high turnover here in this stretch, and we got to get our turnovers back down. It's Steve Clifford joining us here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You know, Coach, at the coach's luncheon, you mentioned how when you were going to become a head coach again, you weren't ready at that moment to be a part of a rebuild. Nobody sees the injuries coming the way they have. When you evaluated this team when you were first going to come aboard to where you are now, how does it compare in your evaluation from at the beginning to, to where you are currently at this point in the season? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously when I when I first, you know, took the job, we had the full roster, sure. right? So to me, it was um, a team ready to take another step, you know? Um, and I still think that we can get there. It's I, I think sometimes, I, I told the staff that this morning, you even have to be careful about evaluating individual guys right now um, in terms of... We have guys that are good players whose numbers may not be good just because we're asking so much of them. You know, they're having to having to play in roles, not that they're not capable of, but that if we just had one or two more guys out there, it'd be a lot easier. So I think that you, you can't be overreactionary. You can't, um, you have to watch the film carefully, you know, watch the guys every day, and then continue to make progress in the areas you need to so we can play more consistently. Coach, you knew you were getting a unique player when you got LaMelo. What were some of the things that once you really got your hands on him and got to see him in person that kind of surprised you about him? Well, the the things that I that you never know, until, they always say you never know a player until you're able to spend time with him. The number one thing that stood out in the summer was he loves to be in the gym. And, you know, you can't. As you know, you can't teach that. You know, he he's, he was here in Charlotte almost the entire summer. 
uh, came in every day, lifted, did a lot with his body, but he loves to be on the court, loves to be in the gym. That's the first thing. The second thing is, which is critical when you play 82 games a year, it's just his personality. Um, but somebody said, you might be able to get mad at him. You can't not like him, you know. <laughs> and when you have to deal with winning, losing, um, travel, all that stuff, as you know, it's a big deal that you're better players. The other guys enjoy being around. So those are the two things. The, the other thing I have liked, I know he hasn't played much yet, but he, you know, on our talks in the summer, we talked about having three things that he wanted to concentrate on this year. And the first thing he said was, I need to play better defense. And his defense has already gotten better before he got hurt in training camp. Are we looking at a similar timetable that he missed the first time he suffered the injury, or do you think he'll be back sooner than basically a month's time he missed? Do you yeah, know? I'm not sure. You know, it's it's day-to-day. -day. He was walking better today. You know, he wasn't limping as much. Um, but I don't, you know, when you coach in this league for a long time, is you, you people think you're joking. Too. You coach the guys you have that day. You know, you can't be worrying about what is. Put as much thought as you can into how to have a good practice, play well that night. Um, but hopefully we'll get him back quicker. How is Gordon Hayward feeling today? He just told me that he felt he didn't feel that bad this morning. Um, so uh, hopefully, again, you know, he played through it last night. Right. He came back in the game. But he did take a good hit, you know, watching the film. I, I did want to ask you, too, when you were talking about asking players to do a lot right now, I, I think one player that came to mind for me is P.J. Washington. He's just taking different shots this year. If you yeah. look at where he's spot spotting up on the floor, how much of that is, is experimenting with his ability, the injuries causing that, as well as just maybe this is where he's headed as a player. When, when you kind of look at the ratio of all of those things, how is that equaling what P.J. is giving us on the court right yeah, now? Yeah, I would agree with you. It's all of it, but I do think that, uh, you know, he's a lot more than just a, a standstill jump shooter. He can play off the dribble. He's, he's a very good decision maker. Uh, and I think that the game he played in Cleveland is a glimpse of what he can become offensively. You know, where he was, you know, rolling in pick and rolls, driving the ball against closeouts. Um, you know, he's a, he's a talented, talented guy, and he's got a good feel for the game. Coach, obviously you want to have all of your guys, but when you do get the chance to coach guys who don't get as many minutes, does that excite you? And what guys have you seen as far as just you feel like have really taken advantage of the extra minutes they've been getting? Yeah, and I think this can help us going down the line. You know, we get guys back. These guys have all played. Um, so I think Nick Richards, for one, has taken good advantage of it. He played a really good game again last night. Uh, I think the other guy who's just started to get time, Kai Jones, who's, you know, impressed me, to be honest, without playing. Impressed me by the way he's practiced, um, by the way he's handled not playing, but by his preparation, his study, so that he knows what we're doing. And he's now played these last two games, meaningful minutes, and done a really good job. Uh, those two guys... Um, and, well, the other guy that's really the younger player that's come on, obviously, is Jalen McDaniels, who's, uh, you know, he's played big minutes every night, and uh, he plays well on both sides of the ball. We did want to ask you about Kai Jones' dunk last night. Are yeah. you a fan of Kai Jones doing the reverse and transition, or are you just hoping it goes in when he starts to go with the trickery? As long as he makes it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I figured it was incredible. I, I'll be honest, the other, the other finish he had was just as yeah. impressive. The... 
you know, he was down there with Porzingis and two other guys. Like a thrunk. And he just went up quick. He's so explosive. That, to me, was really the more, it was a more skilled play. That was Steve Clifford talking about the Charlotte Hornets, some of the games that they've played so far this season, some of the players as well here at the Cornucopia event. Coach, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Coach. Great to see you guys. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. That's Steve Clifford once again joining us, talking about the Charlotte Hornets season so far after falling to the Washington Wizards last night, 106 to 102. Any quick takeaways before we try to squeeze in some last-minute Panthers talk from Steve Clifford's interview? I mean, he's just a good veteran basketball coach, man. He loves teaching the game, but he's just keeping that positive outlook going and he knows that uh, better days are ahead and I think he's chomping at the bit to get all of his guys to see what he can really do with this roster when we talk team. when we talk about things the Hornets need to do going forward it is easy to discuss the the tank word figuring out ways to try to maybe trade Gordon Terry just figuring out ways to shake up the roster the thing that is there whether you view it as an excuse or not the injuries are hard and you are struggling from a lot of injuries more so that this team is experiencing than other franchises well philadelphia they're experiencing it right now too but they're also starting from a higher talent pool with joel Embiid, with james harden with tyrese maxey and with the hornets having missed so many different guys at different times it's really going to hurt this team carolina not as many injuries as the Charlotte Hornets are suffering right now. They even got back Jeremy Chin, and I think that was somebody that was extremely missed. I believe he played every single snap yesterday, by the way. So they weren't really trying to take it easy on Jeremy Chin with the way that he was playing. So that's good, right, that they can rev it up all the way, especially coming after what he experienced on IR. Um, this was a defense that did enough to win the game against the Baltimore Ravens, and the offense just did not perform well enough here, Wes. What were some of your thoughts on this game? Maybe even defensively, watching the way that they were able to, for the most part, shut down Lamar Jackson until you had that Kenyon Drake run that allowed them to score a touchdown. Yeah, I felt like it was just one of those situations where at some point, if your offense can't give you what you need, the defense, as I say, the old lullaby, the bow will break. And so at that point, once uh, <laughs> the Ravens got that turnover and they got out there, it was almost like their will had been broken because the next play you give up the big play then the touchdown comes and so that was that and the offense just has such a hard time I think it's just one thing after another uh, with this football team until they increase the talent pool increase the depth you know we're just going to continue to see this where it's just inconsistent play on on both sides of the ball the defense has been the better unit this year but it's just been inconsistencies on on, on both ends but uh, mainly the offense and so it's just you another loss goes in the books I thought the defense played valiantly uh, but the offense just couldn't get it done up front they were just you know outclassed on the offensive line well it's been a crazy show today so we've been trying to get to some of the text messages but had a lot of Hornets guests join us which we've been really appreciative of if you want to share your text you can do so in the garage door guru text line at 704-570-9610 someone did write in is this team a quarterback away from competing not even just competing but actually winning some of these games and Wes I do think they are an average quarterback away from certainly competing more so than they are right now I don't think that this is going to be some big time playoff team but they have three wins with the quarterbacks on the roster as constructed like if you give me the 15th best QB the 16th best QB in the NFL I think that translates to a couple of different wins look you allowed 13 to Baltimore yesterday 
I mean, this is a team that was scared to death to throw the football against L.A. Seemed that way a little bit even more so with Baker Mayfield than P.J. Walker. Things have flipped what you saw yesterday as far as the offensive play calling goes. I don't think that this is some Super Bowl contender. I think you are at least in the hunt graphic when they show playoff teams just outside and in the hunt. If they get an average quarterback, if they get a first-round guy that's really talented, maybe you do the whole Justin Fields thing. If you get an athlete, can you use him to run and then create some space for him to throw downfield? I don't know who their rookie quarterback is going to be. I do know, I, at least I really hope, <laughs> that they draft one in the first round and invest in a QB. If they get someone that is just competent from the get-go, that can develop as his years go on in the NFL, that is going to be the best-case scenario for this team, and that's why I don't think it has to be this long, painful rebuild. I do think that you are going to have to rebuild a little bit, but that hit, the results can come sooner rather than later. Certainly by year two, I think this is going to be a team that can contend for a pretty solid playoff spot. Uh, I had them coming into the season. I did not anticipate Baker Mayfield playing as bad as he has. I thought he would right. play average football, but I still had this as a five-win team with the average quarterback. Uh, when you look at the defense last year, Coming down from the start of November, they gave up 24 points or more in eight of nine games, uh, including some games where they gave up a lot of points. So I think sometimes this defense is a bit overstated. And then when you talk about offensively, I feel like there are several upgrades that need to be made. This offensive line has played better, but I think football is so situational. I think DJ Moore is a good player. I do think he's a starter-level number one guy, but I don't think that he's a dominant receiver. Uh, Terrence Marshall or, or guys on the other side, I don't think that they have figured that situation out yet. And if I had to guess, I don't think that Terrence Marshall will be the guy going forward, even though he is showing progress. So we'll see there. Uh, you know, Deontay Foreman's a good back. Um, now, th that's the thing, too. So if we say, is this with Christian McCaffrey or without? Because I think if they're playing good this season, Christian McCaffrey probably doesn't get traded if they're, if they're playing pretty decent. Sure. Yeah. So, so we'll just say with Christian McCaffrey in the mix. Um... Yeah, you don't need to make an upgrade there, but just as far as their perimeter weapons, no tight end really to speak of this real playmaker. I still think this team would struggle in a lot of areas, uh, but, you know, I think if you, you know, just to go off your point, if they have an average quarterback, I still see this team's five, six wins, seven wins tops. Yeah, well, and look, Wolfpack James wrote in, quit with the, we're just a, a QB away. We have more holes to plug than just quarterback. I'm not saying that they've got pro bowlers at every level. Of course, every team can find a few different weapons that aren't Super Bowl contenders to try to help create some depth and or find some starters. My definition of being a quarterback away from contending more so is getting an average QB to the point where maybe you can win seven contests. This has been a team which is what the NFL is designed to do, understandably, right? Salary cap driven league. It is designed to keep everybody very close to one another. But if you... The close games that happen mm -hmm. for NFL teams and yeah. for the Carolina Panthers oftentimes are won by the better quarterback. Because in winning time, you need the dude that can make all of the throws and that can be poised enough to make all of those throws. Carolina don't got that. They don't have that with Baker. Even P.J. Walker, who I have very much so defended this year for some of the good throws and good plays and good games that he's had, I still i am not getting it twisted to the point I want him to be the future QB. That ain't it. I want to invest someone in someone in the first round. But if you get an average QB and put them on this team as constructed, I think that's at least a seven-win team. Six, seven wins, something like that, because the defense played well enough. Yeah, 
bad performances all around. That's what happens with all of the franchises in the NFL. But yesterday, they played well enough. I mean, if I were to tell you going into that game, Ravens were only going to score 13, I'd take that from the rip. If you told me they were only going to score 13, I'd absolutely take that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You so, have to take that right. as far as it's a blind item yeah, going into the game. 100%. But you can't move the ball on offense. Yeah. And then you turn it over when it is clutch time. You turn it over three times in eight minutes because the offense just can't get going. And that's what I've been pining for for so long. I want Carolina to draft a QB, even if it's not a guarantee. Even if it doesn't mean that this QB, whoever you draft in the first round, is going to be Justin Herbert, is going to be this crazy talented guy that takes the league by storm. You have to invest. You have to throw the dart to hit bullseye. If you don't, then you're never going to hit bullseye. But you got to take the shot, and that's what this Carolina Panthers team needs to do. Oh, no doubt about it, man. And so you look at the New York Jets situation, and this is something we may get into as the week goes along. But you talk about them drafting two top five guys in a span of four years. Neither one of them panned out, so you definitely need to get it right. But, yeah, you want to go out and find a difference maker, plain and simple. We use that term a lot on this show. I know that I do. Mm -hmm. And for the Panthers, that is truly what the definition of that will be if they can find a quarterback to come in and give them hope, give them a future, it will be a true difference maker in every sense of the word. That's the number one thing. That's where you have to start. Uh, you know, you start to build your franchise at that position. So I feel like they do have some pieces there ahead of the game as far as some of the premium positions having a good player there. But now they have to find the most important one if they really want to start building the foundation for the future of this franchise. Let's throw it back to the studio. Josh Fitty Mar on deck what you got for a fitty flash here do want to alert you guys that the u.s is on the board overseas in the world cup tim way just put one past wales goalkeeper they now lead wales one to nothing which if you're if you're following the match on twitter a lot of americans not happy with the officiating overseas but what else could you expect <laughs> also do want to let you know that the maui gym invitational was underway Right now, you've got a top 25 battle between Creighton and Texas Tech with the Red Raiders up 9-2. to And that leads me to where we talked about on Friday, wanting to see from Duke and Carolina over the weekend. Both schools won rather easily. Duke won on Friday night against Delaware. Carolina got past James Madison yesterday afternoon in the Smith Center. What did you guys take away from the two tobacco red blue bloods on the hardwood? Yeah, I thought North Carolina had a lot better first half in that game that they played against James Madison. Even still, and Fiddy, I think I saw you write this for Heel Tough Blog, that it was their best performance of the season. Certainly not going to argue that. It still, to me, probably isn't good enough to what you see from the number one ranked team in all of college basketball. And I know James Madison is undefeated. I know they're good. You still hold yourself to the Carolina Blue standard, right? That that's a, That's a true thing when you're that good. And so I do think that North Carolina, you'd like to see them in the second half put them away a little more so. James Madison still able to hang around a little bit. But overall, I think considering the way they looked the first three games, you will take the best performance of the year against a good Bulldog team regardless. Yeah, no doubt about it. You come out, R.J. Davis gets you 21 points. Baycott gets better, you yeah. 19 and 23. Mm -hmm. Big boy. So <laughs> I think
think that's really what you want to see from this team, that dominant players come out and be dominant and for them to get uh, a big win. Kayla Love shot the ball terribly um, in this game. And then your boy Pete Nance coming through with 11 points. So I thought early in that game, Carolina came out and looked like the team they needed to. They looked focused. That was the difference. They looked like they knew they were the dominant team. And they looked like they needed and wanted to make a statement early in that game in the first half. I think they heard the chatter, people saying that, uh, you know, James Madison could come in and upset them, and they looked like a team that was saying, not in my house, we're the number one team, and you guys are beneath us. So I think that you're encouraged there. I don't think they look nervous, but then in the second half, you go look at the final score with the way that things started. They had a 45-26 lead at half. And, yes, you end up winning by 16 points, but only 80 points on the board for the Heels. You thought maybe they would get a little bit more there. Call James Madison the Bulldogs, by the way. I meant the Dukes. Don't know why I had the Bulldogs in my head, <laughs> but I did mean the Dukes. All right, we'll come back. One more segment to go on Weston Walker before the Kyle Bailey Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. up the Weston Walker Show and the 12th annual Hornets Cornucopia event live from the Spectrum Center. One more segment to go before we bring you back to the studio. The Kyle Bailey Show on deck in just a moment. They'll be taking you up until 6 p.m. and uh, he'll be alongside Smoke Ludwig. Do want to talk about what's on tap first. What's on tap is brought to you by Twin Peaks. You can join our e-club to stay up to date on all things Twin Peaks and score free stuff. Visit TwinPeaksRestaurant.com slash peaks dash club Monday night football Cardinals 49ers going to be happening in Mexico City by the way what do you think about this game and what do you think about it happening in Mexico City there Wes I'll have my Trent Williams jersey on with the sombrero okay <laughs> ready to go very festive for the atmosphere for my Niners uh, takes a little bit of juice out of the game with no Kyler Murray but the 49ers cannot take them lightly they need to lightly they need to keep stacking those wins and I expect them to do so tonight I expect them to come out and play really well yeah I expect your San Francisco 49ers to play well also and we'll see if they can get the win against the Arizona Cardinals now time to send it back to the studio again with Fitty for this day in sports history what happened on this day in sports history let's go back guys to 1953 where Notre Dame would tie Iowa 14 to 14 by faking injuries in both halves with two seconds left to go in the first half a Notre Dame player stopped the clock by faking an injury and the Irish would score on the next play with six seconds left in the game, and Notre Dame out of timeouts, two players also would fake more injuries, and the Irish would score on the last play of the game to send the game to a tie. Real quickly, I want to ask Wes, what, how mad does it make you when you see players fake injuries out there on the football field. Do you like it? Do you feel like, hey, whatever you got to do to get an advantage, or do you roll your eyes at it? Yeah, I don't blame them, because if your <laughs> team does it to help them out, you don't really have much of an issue with it, so I'm not going to trip. Guys do crafty stuff to try to get ahead, and if my team's doing it, and they benefit from it, I'm all for it. Alright, what happened in 1965, Fiddy? On this day in 1965, legendary NBA broadcaster Chick Hearn began his streak of broadcasting consecutive Laker games. He would, he would go on to broadcast 3,301 consecutive games by the end of the 2000-2001 season, including broadcasting preseason games. So you know that guy was dedicated to the craft. And on this day in 1996, 
The Clippers would lose, as they frequently did in the 90s, 105-94 to the Dallas Mavericks. And with that loss, Bill Fitch became the first NBA coach to record 1,000 career defeats. Wow. I, feel, I feel like the Clippers, was it, see, most people will clown the Kings as the most dysfunctional franchise, and that might be true now. But before Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, it had to be the Clippers. They Awful. were the most, they were the worst ever. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, man, and they were just bad all the time. I remember, <laughs> like, having Pooh Richardson's basketball call oh, and different Clippers name. and things like that. They were really, really bad, dysfunctional at its finest. I remember, so being <laughs> OCD nerd boy with my basketball cards, mm -hmm. I would go in alphabetical order where all the good teams, where all the good players, who they were playing for. So it would be, you know, it would be the Clippers that were up there, the, the Celtics were up there, of course, whatever. But with the Clippers, I couldn't find players that I liked nearly as much. It was like Elton Brand. I might have gave Corey Maggette some of that special treatment in the basketball card collection, <laughs> and that was it. I could not go to any of the old school cards, like Charles Smith, maybe Danny yeah, Manning man. I gave some yeah. love, but Danny Manning is the OG Clipper. That would be about it, and then I had to settle for Elton Brand and Corey Maggette. And not to mention, they were drafting at the top of the draft every year, and every draft pick, it seemed like, didn't work out for it's Michael Olacandy, the worst. It's oh, funny God. because Chris Kamen actually was one of their better ones, and that is one of the scarier-looking human beings of all time. Yeah, no doubt. And then, <laughs> no, got to give a little bit of love to Quentin Richardson. And, yeah, that's and true. Yes, Miles and the crew, they oh, got a little bit fine. better. That's yeah, they true. got a little bit better then, but they were still the Clippers. Yeah, no, it was. And then the Sean Livingston injury. Yeah, that'll be your Clippers minute here on the Wes and Walker <laughs> show. Uh, final take. I, we had a lot to get to today. We've got a lot of leftover content for tomorrow. I will focus on a positive with South Carolina. I do think that was the most surprising result. Even for North Carolina, losing the way they did to Georgia Tech. I could see the argument where they would get complacent after the 17 to nothing start, after the 80-yard touchdown run. I still was really surprised, but if you were to tell me that Spencer Rattler would throw for 430 yards, six touchdowns, and to dominate in every way the Tennessee Volunteers throwing the ball downfield too, I thought that was the most surprising result from what we saw yesterday. Oh, no question, because this was a team, it was the way in which it was done. Okay, yeah. South Carolina is a team that's not known for offense. They get it done gritty with defense and running the football, so for them to hang 60 points <laughs> That's crazy. on Tennessee. That was just mind-blowing. All right, what was your final take of the day, Fiddy, back at the studio? You know, you would think my heart would be broken after Carolina got upset on Saturday night. And while it is, I'm choosing to fo or channel all this energy on our next opponent, NC State. I am ready. We're ready to beat those tractor-driving, cow-milking bums from Raleigh. Let's go. Fitty <laughs> ending with a nice exclamation point. That'll do it for the Wesson Walker Show. It's been so much fun here at the Spectrum Center. Big thanks to Fred Whitfield, Dennis Smith Jr., Sam Farber, Steve Clifford. You can catch those interviews on our podcast feed, a part of WFNZ.com. A big shout to the Charlotte Hornets hosting the 12th Annual Cornucopia event, feeding a 1,000 different Thanksgiving meals to 4,000 people that can benefit from all of that. We'll now send it back to the Kyle Bailey Show along Alongside Smoke Ludwig, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.